So let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, holy God, our rock and our redeemer. Alleluia. Amen. Dear and most excellent Theophilus, I am so glad that you enjoyed reading the scrolls that I sent to you, the orderly account of all that has come to pass by the grace of God. And I am gratified by the questions that you have sent in return, the desire to seek further and to understand more fully the story which I recounted to you. For indeed, the truth that I have sought to impart to you is as much in your seeking of understanding as it is in the orderliness of my narrative. And so I shall seek to respond to each of your questions, though I shall have to do so over the course of several letters to you, that each question may receive the attention it deserves, and yet you may have more instruction that your fervent faith desires. Now, as it concerns Mary, the mother of Jesus, you are quite correct in noting that whereas the words of Jesus himself were the subject of much interest from the moment he approached John at the Jordan and were discussed and remembered in such detail that I was able to set out not only an orderly but a meticulous accounting for you. Of course, the words of Jesus' mother, especially before she had disclosed her experience with the angel and the resultant pregnancy, those were spoken in private for the ears, in this case, of Elizabeth alone, which does indeed beg the question of how they should appear, especially into an accounting of events as thoughtful as mine endeavored to be. And yet I would point out to you, O curious Theophilus, the pre I would point you to the presence of Mary throughout the life and ministry of her son, interacting with all of those so intent on recounting his words and deeds. Those were, of course, as curious as you are yourself. The organization of my narrative, I concede, did not tend to the mundane, for certainly you have already imagined, without my saying so, that both Jesus and his disciples ate and slept and talked together beyond the instances recounted. And among those who talked on the walks from village to village, around the fire after the evening meal, was Mary herself, encouraged by those who longed, even as you do, to know more about Jesus, and who came to tell her story as a part of his. Thus it was told to me. Yet as you quite correctly point out, Theophilus, there are sources other than my own account, which include only the actions which Jesus himself performed, although I would note that even these acknowledge the ongoing presence of his mother. And that suggests that perhaps Jesus' birth mattered less than his life, his teachings, his death and resurrection. But here again, your own need for deeper understanding, your own questions, questions, excellent Theophilus, begin to provide an answer. For here again, you are not alone in your seeking, your longing for truths that extend beyond even the most orderly of accountings of any one particular life. Certainly, though you do not ask it outright, your line of reasoning leads toward the inquiry as to who this Jesus was who spoke with such authority. These are matters left untouched by many who give instruction in the way, even by those who first opened your heart, 
such that I was inspired to write that you may continue to learn. But I would not have you remain ignorant, my wise friend, concerning the origin not only of the teachings, but of the teacher. For there are those who call Jesus a prophet, a human of deep understanding and clarity. And there are those who would tell you that Jesus was an angel who had simply assumed human form, either completely human or completely divine, but always lacking a full comprehension of one side or another. And although I do not pretend that my accounting of Jesus' life shall forever lay to rest the ideas of those who believe that Jesus is a new Moses, or David, or Amos, or Isaiah, or that he was as those who appeared to Abraham and Lot, the truth of Jesus' story, as I know it, points me to a more complicated understanding. For the story that Mary tells is not only of an unexpected pregnancy, but of a God who is deeply invested in the embodied life that we humans live. That the Spirit was given birth, God in all the messiness and mundanity of our own lives, that is what makes the narrative I sent you not only interesting, but actually good news. Not only orderly, but miraculous. Have we not all longed for God to enter our world, to dwell among us? Yet who among us could have believed that the dwelling would be as one of us, birthed and swaddled and diapered, growing, learning, as full of our own lives as of the patterns of creation? We have longed for God to come among us, knowing that God's presence mattered. Yet when God came to us, we discovered that we mattered too. That even in human flesh, we cannot be separated from that which formed us. Theophilus, how could I leave out the story that Mary told? Of a God who longed for us even as we longed for God. Of a God whose love for us would reorder the entire world. Not only through Jesus' words, but through his entire existence. The love of God was not only made manifest in our world through the prophetic parables of a divine messenger, but in the mere fact of a God who would want to experience the fullness of our ordinary, embodied human lives. Which is why, Theophilus, it is Mary's story, and not Joseph's, that had its place in my orderly accounting. I am aware, of course, that some tell his side of it, Indeed, that was one of the stories told after supper on those Galilean hillsides to the eagerness of those earliest followers in whose footsteps we walk even now. Joseph's story is one of political intrigue, of angels and kings, which certainly deepens our understanding when we explore how systems of power respond to threat, and it does have its place. Yet Mary's perspective speaks to those same questions in ways that keep our focus less on humans and more on God. Mary, unlike Joseph, reminds us that God's ways do not conform to our expectations, upending even the most orderly of narratives that try to account for the movement and presence of God among us. For Mary tells the story of Zechariah, who loses his voice and therefore his power, even as she lifts her own voice in praise. Even in the telling of Mary's story, we see the movement of God as it will become reality in Jesus. The mighty, like Zechariah, who are brought low 
while those who had been cast aside by human standards, Mary or Elizabeth, seen as flawed or damaged or worthless by the world, become those through whom the truth of Emmanuel, God with us, is made real in this world. Indeed, the telling of Mary's story reminds us that God's standards are not our standards. And yet God is willing to partner with someone we'd never expect in order to make God's love known to all the world. The story that Mary tells is the story of God moving in this world even before the Incarnation. The God who would live in this world, giving voice to those who had been silenced, gathering in those who had been thrown aside. It is a story of a God who does not attend to the marginalized because Jesus knows what it is to be human, but of the God who became flesh in Jesus specifically because God loves those whom humanity casts out. Theophilus, the ordering of all that I told to you is not a new story. It is not the story of a new God emerging in Jesus but of the God who created the world, who has loved us from before the beginning. It is the God whom Hannah praised in the song that would spring to Mary's lips as she came face to face with Elizabeth's understanding and care. It is the God who spoke through the ancient prophets, calling us all to justice and mercy as manifestations of the blessedness of all creation. Theophilus, my accounting to you is of the God you have always known and loved, moving among us in new ways to fulfill ancient promises, reminding us that our God is one who speaks through women and calls us to hear and believe when they speak. Our God is a God who treasures even our messy bodies and calls us to value them all, not simply the ones we deem pure or healthy or young or beautiful and not simply the ones that accede to our expectations. Our God is a God who speaks through the stories we tell, at tables, or on walks, or around campfires, who counts on our curiosity to keep us seeking, the God who is present in the love that keeps us from before we are born until well after we die. For this, Theophilus, this is the good news. The good news that Mary knew, that Jesus proclaimed, and that you still seek. That God continues to pour out into the world that God with us. That Emmanuel, that is more than the orderly account with which I hoped to instruct you. This is the God whose presence remains, who is still, even now, incarnate in the flesh of all that has been created and lives in the spirits like yours that seek the living God. I hold you in prayer, most excellent Theophilus, that your curiosity will only grow and that each question will invite you into a deeper understanding of the love in which you and I and all of creation will eternally dwell. Yours in Christ, Luke. Alleluia. Amen.